This episode of the New Zealand Brewer Podcast is brought to you by Brew Shop, and they would like to invite all New Zealand Brewer Podcast listeners to save 10% on ingredients when using coupon code NZBREWER at brewshop.co.nz. That's brewshop.co.nz. Thanks for tuning in to episode number 37 of the New Zealand Brewer Podcast. This is John Ojaka. Also on the line with me is Gary Henwood from Kainui Brew Co. Gary, thanks for being here tonight. Thanks for having me, John. Always a pleasure, buddy. It is always a pleasure. Uh, Gary, did you hear the did you hear the intro music there? Nope. <laughs> you did. You heard what? those jingle bells. You heard them. Oh, sorry, man. I didn't catch that. You heard the jingle bells in the intro music. You loved the jingle bells. And those jingle bells tell you it is that time of year again. It is our uh, 37th annual Christmas. Wait, no, it's not. It hasn't been 37. How, how long have we been doing this show? It's been like, what? Three or four years, I don't know. We we've attempted every year. I'm a Christmas nerd, as as Gary will tell you. I like the whole Christmas thing, and each year I try to do a big Christmas thing. We I think we've tried it four times now, and I think we've screwed up two of the episodes. So I think we've only put out mm-hmm. two. So we're not gonna do a big Christmas extravaganza. But you know, we're still playing the Christmas music. We're still gonna call it a Christmas episode. We're we're gonna drink you know beers, maybe a little. A little more fun than than usual, um, maybe a little stronger than usual. We're gonna get in the Christmas spirit, and we're just gonna, you know, we're just gonna enjoy. We're we're gonna share some holiday cheer with each other and the listeners. Sound good to you? Yeah, bro. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know who we've got on as a guest tonight, Gary. Uh, no, you tell me, John. You tell me. Richie Brownsword oh. from Bay Richie. of Islands Brewery. This is, of course, Richie Brownsword, our friend uh, and fellow local brewer, uh, Richie Brownsword, um, who has um, come. He came up through our little homebrew group that we started a number of years ago. That's kind of how I got to know you, how I got to know Richie, uh, from who's now with, as you'll hear, Bay of Islands Brewery, how I got to know uh, Rob. Uh, Harold, who's now um, since then started Fat House Brewing. Um, uh, what PJ is about to start working for you? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's he, all just keeping it in house, John. Keep it, it nice and close. Who would have known when this little this little ragtag group of wannabe brewers got Mr. together Bruce. that that uh, we'd all go on to make such a mark on the brewing scene up here in in. Uh, the far north and and really really New Zealand, right? You know, don't you think? I was just saying it's more of a stain than a mark. Well, John. yeah, yeah, that, that, that that's appropriate. Um, no, but it's brilliant. It's great to see. Um, yeah, I'm excited to that Richie's on the show. Um, I can talk about this more later, but yeah, <laughs> it, it's cool to cool to get uh, the local community, actually a beer community, happening in the far north, which is you know sorely missed. Has been sorely missed. It is. It is. It's um. It's it's really neat to see. Um. So we're gonna drink some beer. Then we're gonna have Richie on the show. He's gonna talk about his his brewery and again another uh, uh, fairly new, fairly small brewery in the far north. Um. 
And then we're going to take a break and then we're going to come back and we're going to drink some more beer and we're going to take a couple of questions. Uh, do you have a beer jerk beer this week? I don't, John. I actually opened my beer. I jumped the gun. No, that that, that, that is okay. That's okay, Gary. Um, but beer so jerk... La- What's that? No, you go. No, well, I was just going to say that Beer Jerk is a, a friend of the podcast. If you're not familiar with Beer Jerk and if you are a craft beer fan looking to get your hands on some pretty tasty beers, then really uh, look no further than beerjerk.co.nz. They are one of New Zealand's leading online craft beer retailers. Now, Beer Jerk specializes in delivering rare, new, or interesting beers from New Zealand and around the world right to your door. They have an amazing array of beers in their online store and they also offer a range of curated cases that you're going to want to check out. In fact, while you're over at beerjerk.co.nz, be sure to check out their curated mixed cases. With a mixed case, you just select a case by style and the Beer Jerk team will send you a very special selection of beers based on your selected style. This way, you can try a bunch of beers you wouldn't otherwise pick up in the style that suits you or in a style that suits you. Uh, If you love pale ales, for example, and you want to try 12 different beers in that style, then you can just grab that mix case and beer jerk will send you a case of 12 unique pale ales or whichever style you select now this is a great way to try something that you wouldn't normally try and educate your palate while you're at it and on top of that when you use the new coupon code again this is a new coupon code brewer podcast that's coupon code brewer podcast you'll receive free shipping on any order over 50 dollars at beerjerk.co.nz. So once more, if you want to get your hands on some amazing and unique craft beers from New Zealand and around the world, then go to beerjerk.co.nz. That's beerjerk.co.nz and use coupon code BREWERPODCAST today. All right, Gary, so what are you drinking? What are you going to crack into? Well, after last uh, week's Hell of Soft, actually, I'm drinking a Kainui Gold, which is a How do you have a Kainui Gold? Have you been bottling beers and not telling me? Oh, shit. (laughs) This is a leftover beer from from our little theater thing, isn't it? It is. It is, John. Knew it. Um, That's a good beer. How how did it hold up? You didn't didn't bottle those for commercial, you know, sale. No, no, no. It was just just for that one. Particularly, John threw me in the deep end and made me supply alcohol for. Uh, by made beer. you, by made you. you, made, you I made said, me. "Hey, do you want to sell your beer?" Yeah, and I was like, "Fuck, do I have to?" And John made me. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, John was you know played a played a part in a local play, which is excellent, actually, John. You did really well there. Thank you. Um, Thank you. And I provided the alcohol, and Munich Hellas was on the agenda. Um, and it tastes, it's tasting great, John. Wow. It smells, like I said, it smells a lot like the one I had, the Zagat one I had last week. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's just a great beer. Oh, John, I, I mean, I would wax lyrical about it, but you know how good it is, mate. Well, why, why are you, when are you going to start packaging again so people around the yeah. country can get your beer? Yeah. Never, no, you are, right? I mean, because that's yeah. ridiculous. At the new brewery, honestly, will you be will you be doing that? Packaging into bottles and cans. You doing that? Yeah, we do package. We can package into kegs. Yeah, well, packaging I'll bottles. Start and cans. Send, I'll start sending kegs around the country, but I won't start sending bottles around the country. Are you soon. are you even sending kegs around the country? I thought you were sort of not. No, doing that. we're not. But okay. we will start doing that once the new brewery is up and running. Gotcha. Um, the big the bigger one, um, 
at least. Right. And yeah, then we'll definitely be we'll be cracking the whip on that um, and moving forward a bit, and yeah, and pushing a bit around the country. And we aim to obviously um, just keep you know turning the knobs and and refining things, and yeah, just having fun with it. So looking forward to that. But right now, sorry guys, you have to come to Kitty Kitty to try it. And is it where is it currently on tap at the Plow and Feather and Plow at and the Feather at the Stone Store and out at the Vineyard Kanui Road Vineyard? Uh, there's twelve beers on tap there, twenty and twenty odd in town. Very cool, very cool. Well, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna do mm-hmm. something special because you know because it's our Christmas episode. Um, uh, you hear that sound? What do you think that sound is? What, is it? what do you think it is? What is it? It is. Is it the Firestone Walker? No, no, it's not. That's it's, it's not that special. Um, no, it's it's a beer blender beer from uh, Urbanot. Um, uh, I have not tried one of these. I I uh, they sound fun, you know. I've been staring at them forever, and uh, <laughs> and I'm not. You felt like you've been missing out. I felt like I've been missing out. I felt like this will be a fun one on the show, right? So there are two beers, two small cans, kind of taped together by that piece of plastic that you heard me rip off. Um, and one is a coconut hazy IPA, and the other is a queen pineapple sour. And the idea is to sort of, you know. Um, blend them what does it say taste can a then taste can b then pour each can together in a glass for a smooth pina colada perfect for drinking poolside with your favorite tiger um so that's what i'm gonna do let's try this let's try let's try the coconut hazy ipa all right that's that I'm, i haven't tried it yet and let's try the uh let's open up the queen pineapple sour all right, all right. I'm going to go with for the hazy IPA first. Uh, I'm trying to I'm, I want to keep them in the cans, but I don't know if I, I you know, I can't I can't smell them as well. I'm just going to do it anyway. Yeah, I'm just not getting enough smell coming out through the cans. I mean, you know, I can get some tropical fruit poking out, but I'll taste it. Hmm. So coconut hazy IPA. I don't know. I don't know if I'm like super crazy about it. There's certainly nothing bad about it. The 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 coconut's just sort of mixing in a funny way. There's not certainly no off flavors. I just I don't know. I don't know quite how to describe that. It's just um it's not striking me as coconut. It's striking me as almost something sort of sort of, well, perfumey mixed with a sort of nutty character um, in the mix of uh, a, a pretty tropical IPA. I like the IPA notes a little bit more than I like the coconut contribution, but let's, let's see what we get with the uh, queen pineapple sour. Well, lots of pineapple coming through. A pretty, a pretty simple sour. You know, it tastes like a kettle sour. I don't know if it is or it isn't. I'm going to assume that it is. Certainly not a ton of complexity coming through, but some nice flavors. Really nice pineapple. Really easy to drink, but I probably would get a little bit fatigued by it pretty quickly just because of that lack of complexity. Let's see what happens when we pour these together, Gary. Oh, I am so excited. (laughs) Right? 
Mm. I poured them a little too hard, and now I've got like six inches ahead to sort of get through. <laughs> so you think I'm gonna get a, a pina colada? You're about to get six inches of pina. What did you, you say? <laughs> Gary, your mom's not gonna appreciate you talking like that. I shouldn't want that. Whoops. Sorry. Let's see. Well, actually, what I get is better. I like the combination of the IPA and, and the pineapple sour. It's giving me a tight, uh, a tight, a tart, um, fruity, really fruity IPA. Um, what I, I'm not liking the contribution of the coconut. I don't know if this is extract or if it's real coconut, but it's it's either not coming through enough or or what, I don't know. Uh, or maybe needs to be omitted altogether. It's just, it's not, it's not, I don't taste a pina colada, um, but I think if they could just take the, but the the blend technically was a win because I think it improved both quite a bit. I just, I just don't think the coconut is doing its job, but everything else together, it makes for a really nice pineapple uh, IPA and makes me think that Gary, you should brew a pineapple IPA because 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 <laughs> they like because pineapples are local. Well, no, because well, actually there are there are some. Well, yeah, technically uh, we have we pineapple have, in our pineapples. We have pineapple growing in our yard. Mm. Let's do it. But there you go. That that that's uh that was an experience. The the Ubernaut blended beer, a, a, a lot of fun, Gary. A lot of fun. Is, is the pineapple that's not added? Is it? Is it? Is it? Or is it? Um, is it from the hops or are they added pineapple? Oh no! I, there's definitely got to be uh, uh, pineapple in here. It says sugary, sweet, mm. fresh cut pineapple skewered on a tart citrus Ooh. sour. Yeah, um, I'm curious, really curious about the coconut. It's one of those things where it's either. I'm not loving the coconut flavor because it's an extract or because it's not an extract and it's just not imparting enough. Mm. Um, you know what I mean? I can't quite, I'm struggling. Mm. To, yeah, it's intriguing. That sounds like a cool, you know, it's a cool little thing that they've got going there. I've um, had one previously, but not for a while. Um, yeah, sounds great. Mm. You can get those through Beejik as well, I believe. Fantastic. Fantastic, Gary. So uh, what's what's in store for you this Christmas, Gary? What are you doing? Big big holiday thing. Lots of lots of family coming around. Open Just Christmas and co- presents under the tree. Coconut hookers. Coke and hookers. Yeah. yeah, with a family. Though. With a family. They have family. I'm sure they do. <laughs> what? <clears throat> this 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 is this is gone. This is gone south, Gary. This is this is not. <laughs> that's that's the that's the point of it, mate. Um, should we no, just can Chris, this? Should we just can the whole uh, episode? I think we should this can is, everything. This is, this is I think we should it. change the name of it. We just won't put this one out too. Oh yeah, we could get that. We could get that way. We've got a, a high percentage beer coming up next, so I think yeah, we could do. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll keep. We'll keep going. Will will listeners hear hear this moment, um, or will this? fall on the cutting room floor like all the other ill-fated Christmas episodes. No, but what are you doing this this Christmas, Gary? Um, this Christmas, I don't know, mate. Honestly, I don't know. Are you I a just, Christmas person? Do you buy a bunch of presents for your kids and do anything at all? In the sun and drinking alcohol. But the Christmas part of it is super shit. Um, <laughs> you're a dick. About, <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, each to their own, John. Mm, mm, indeed. Um, well, I think 
I think we should take a break. That's this is what this is what we should do. All right, we should take a break. Uh, when we come back, good old Richie, he'll get us in the mood. He's good you know, old, yeah. He's, oh, life of the party, Richie. Yeah, just you put it in the in the crack over there. Whoa, what? What? Let's put in the old oh. in the corner closet, Richie. What? <laughs> He'll Richie, he'll bring Richie. he'll bring some some spirit he'll to the season and uh, liven things up around here and we'll we'll have a fantastic uh, a fantastic rest of the show. So let's do that. We're gonna take a break. When we return, we'll be talking to Richie Brownsword from Bay of Islands Brewery. Back in a sec. You're listening to the New Zealand Brewer Podcast. Just as the Grainfather all-in-one brewing system revolutionized all-grain brewing at home, the Grainfather conical fermenter and glycol chiller take this one step further by giving homebrewers state-of-the-art temperature-controlled fermentation just like commercial breweries use. With a full array of features including insulated double-walled construction, an innovative dual-valve yeast stump and sampling tap, and an integrated heating element and temperature controller, the conical fermenter provides a perfect professional quality fermenting environment for superior temperature control. With the ability to individually power and control the temperature of up to four Grainfather conical fermenters, each with their own fermenting schedule, the Grainfather glycol chiller is the perfect addition to ensure superior fermenting results. And for a limited time, you can save 10% on your order by going to Grainfather.com and entering coupon code NZB during checkout. Once again, enter coupon code NZB when you order the Grainfather conical fermenter or glycol chiller at grainfather.com. Once again, that's grainfather.com. All right, on the line with me is Richie Brownsword from Bay of Islands Brewery. How's it going, Richie? It's good, John. How are you? It's great. Um, at long last, we're finally doing this. We've been we've been talking I know. about this forever. I, know. I think you were scared, frankly, I got to be honest. I think you were scared to be on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably was. I probably was. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, um, you know, as we've, we've, we're recording this all out of order, as I think our listeners know, we record these interviews sort of in advance. And then uh, Gary and I sit down and have some beers and, and sort of set them up and, and then take some questions after the interview. But, uh, uh, presumably yeah. we will have talked about the fact that, um, you are a friend of ours. You are, uh, your brewery is local yeah. to us here in, well, you were yeah. recently in Waipapa. You've recently moved over to Haru Falls, right? That's right. Yeah. Yes. I was in a, I was running out of a distillery in Waipapa and then we both sort of ran out of space. So I moved to Haru. So yes. I'm in the industrial estate there now. So in, indeed. Good. Indeed. So, so it's fun to have you on and fun to get to chat. And uh, it, again, it's 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 a long time coming. I just banged my microphone. Sorry, listeners. Um, but um, why don't you tell those folks who are not familiar uh, with you a, a little bit about your company? You know, uh, well, we've just sort of said where you're located, but give us a sense of the the size of the company, the type of operation. Um, you know, are you a production brewery? Do you package? Are you contract brewery? You know, just give everyone a sense of, uh, you know, the space you're in. If I was to come visit you for the first time and was not familiar with um, Bay of Islands Brewery, what would I find? And and I should uh, add, I should add what uh, you do, what your position is uh, in the company. Well, I do everything. Yeah. So it's just it's just me. So I'm cleaner, 
Um, I'm, I'm, I do all the, uh, I do all the accounts. I do everything. So no, do no to all stuff. you, uh, aspiring professional brewers that he mentioned cleaner and accounts as the first two things. We yeah, st- that's <laughs> right. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's 75% cleaning. Yeah. That's, you know, that's, that's, that's the main thing. Um, but yeah, I just got a, uh, a six, 700 liter system. Um, and I batch sort of 650 liters beer at a time. Um, and I commercially, commercially brew for just for bar. So at the moment, it's just going into kegs. Uh-huh. So uh, it's all kegs. It's all all keg sales, which makes it easy in a way because you're just packaging it into kegs and it's going out the door. And is that um, your is that your goal not, long term, or do you do you plan to be packaging? Soon? No, I will. I do. I am working on that at the moment. But now I've got a bit more space. I've just built a really big chiller and, and bits and pieces. So I'm kind of working on that, but it just takes a little while to, to do it because it's been a slow, a slow progression because I haven't borrowed a whole load of money to do it. So I've just been slowly chipping away at it over the last quite a few years. So right. Right. And what's, um, it's worked out. I know no, I, I cut you off there, but, um, what, what, uh, what's the space like? What kind of space is, is your brewery located in? So I've got, uh, I'm only in the industrial state in Waipapa, um, and I've, uh, not Waipapa, sorry, Harufals, and um, I've got 100 square meters. It's the old Fuller's Washdown Bay, which is perfect, so I can start at one end with hot water and just clean the whole place out. Nice. It's got a big swell drain in the front of it. So it's, I kind of stumbled into it a few months ago, and um, it looks like it's going to be a really good space to work out of. So I've only just got my customs clearance on Wednesday. So I've been prepping for all of that because, of course, I've been using somebody else's customs area, CCA, in Wipapa, and now I've had to go through that whole process and do that myself for my own building, and, um, which was an interesting process. Yeah, well, we'll ask you perhaps a little bit more about that in a sec, but it's dawning on me that we should probably explain for anyone not familiar with Waipapa or Haruru Falls that we're talking about up in the Bay of Islands. Waipapa is just outside of Kiri Kiri. Um, what's that? Yes. Yeah, oh. that's right. <laughs> no, I thought you said something. Um, and uh, and uh, you talked a little bit about how you were operating out of a distillery. That's a space I've been down to. I came in and checked that out. Talk about that a little that's, bit. Um, so, yeah, we've, uh, it's Black Collar Distillery. And um, Jonathan's a friend of mine that's, uh, that owns it and runs it. And, um, and he said, we, I was going to start the brewery from my house because I had a big workspace at home and he sort of said, you know, if you want to come and brew out of my place, you can. And it's been quite good really because it's, I kind of came into it with the training wheels on mm-hmm. and then now after doing it for a little bit of time, it's, it's quite nice. I feel a lot more confident about, you know, all the system and how to use it. It's, it's, um, it was good using his CCA, you know, his customs controlled area. Yeah. Um, and it was good. I could have a slow build and, and low, low cost to run the business. And That's when, when I start to build up, yeah. Well, when I met you, you were you had had a space at your home that you had planned to brew out of. Did you never get that up and running commercially? No. Yeah. Okay. No, gotcha. I just used it for just brewing. Brewing at home, I just had a really cool, you know, um, brewing space at home to to do batches and test batches and 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 have a play around with it, you know, because it's all about getting those brews under your belt, I think, and and working working out what works and what doesn't work. And how did you get into this whole thing? What what made you want to dedicate your life to brewing beer? Um, I just I had a friend who was brewing a little bit of beer just from kits, and and I just got into it. And how I long ago is this? Person, it's like uh, six years, seven years ago. Got it. 
And I think I, I, I'm just one of those people that if I get into it, I really get into something. So then I did designed a brewing system and made had that built, and and I've just grown out of that one now, and I've done another one, and and it's I enjoy the process and the gear that goes with it and how things work. Right. So you have no applicable area of study. Um, you're not a microbiologist no. or engineer or anything. No. You're just, just a home brewer who got carried away. Yep. That's right. It's refreshing. We, we talk about it a lot on the show. It's weird, the high percentage. And again, I don't know if it's a fluke of just the people that I've been in contact with, or maybe, maybe there's some weird connection of the, uh, to the, the, the respons- responsible mindset of the people that are sort of following up and getting back and touching, ultimately getting on the podcast. But we're, we're getting this um, high percentage of brewers that are, uh, you know, ha- didn't start off as home brewers. They went right into professional brewing, which is which is odd yeah. and very much unexpected. I expected sort of 90 percent of the, the people that we talked to to be uh, home brewers that got carried away. But in fact, it's been it's been about Oh, it feels like it's been about yeah, even. I've never sat there and and counted it all up. But my dog is dreaming in the background. I don't know if if you guys can hear that, but my dog is here in the office with me dreaming. But anyway, we'll, it we'll is. Ref- along. Yeah, it's refreshing to um to talk to someone who you know is of like mind and got carried away with the home brewing thing. Because to me, that's that's the beauty of all of this. Is is we're artists a little bit. We don't come at it as an industrial right. thing. Uh, it's much more akin to art than it's, than manufacturing. It's much more of a of a creative angle, isn't it? You come at it as a, a creative way. Yeah, indeed. As, you know, you're creating these products, and it's it's um and it's the pleasure you get from that, which yeah. is great. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I, and I, I know that you're in the process of selling some stuff, so I don't know if you're um, changing up your, your process, but one of the things that was really neat about you, um, and I have some video of it that I'll need to share somewhere, um, is you, you really took the concept of being a, uh, a home brewer, a sort of a glorified home brewer to the next level, and that you kind of took the brewing the bag method to a level I've never seen. Like your your whole rig when I saw you was basically a giant hand welded brewing a bag system. But of course it was using yeah. stainless and, and everything else. But you had these what were the engine pulleys or something like I don't know what you you rigged together yep. there, but so, um, so talk so about I had that. Two, I had two uh two hundred and sixteen liter pots, two Blickmans side by side with burners underneath them and then, then I had some cages made inside with false bottoms shot out like the same as you'd have in a large uh, mash tun, a commercial mash tun so they'd be like 1.2 mil slots mm-hmm. and they would be the cages those cages would sit inside and then you'd fill them full of hot water, treat your water how you want your water done get it to the right temperature and then put your grains in and then they would be after an hour or so they would be lifted out so they'd be winched straight out so the water then just runs through the grains into the boil kettles and then you could sparge over the top just to get your, your your levels up of what the amount of liquid that you wanted and then you'd move the grains out and carry on boiling so they, it worked quite well but doing 600 liters in a day was pretty um was a long day a long <laughs> yeah long so that day. was sorry i i missed that there were 200 liter batches so you'd be doing you basically 200 uh, liters stainless no, steel four, you do three you do about 300 liters a time and then I built gotcha. a, a and then I would put coils inside and cool those and then I realized it would be easier to build a whirlpool a standalone whirlpool so I got two 200 liter pots welded 
those together to make about 375. Uh-huh. So I could take the boiled liquid as soon as it finished into the whirlpool and then take the hot water, the cold water that went into the whirlpool, the hot water that came out would then fill those pots again and I'd do that process again. Um, but it was it was pretty time consuming. Right. And you made the whole thing your, yourself? Yeah, I've got a friend to weld it, but yeah, I just, I just come up with the ideas for it and my friend um, gets it all together and, and I tell him, what I want to do and he kind of makes it right right and and what did what did that whole setup cost you if you don't mind me asking it wasn't it wasn't the, the parts were the most expensive part but it probably cost me about eight grand to build eight grand for it around there and that's yeah. just not including tanks but that's your entire brewing system uh, well, just the just the the boiling side, the heating side of things, not all the fermenters. And yeah, stuff. yeah, Ferment, fermenters excluded. Yeah. You got the whole thing up and running for for about and then, eight grand. It's pretty impressive. That's that that system, yeah. But then when you look at how much you put into it, I mean, the breweries are, you know, unless you've got a lot of spare, you know, thousands of hours, yeah, and and quite a bit of money to throw at it, it, it. It's quite a. As I say, I've slowly built this up because it's been the safest way to do it sure sure gotcha and and so uh so what are you doing now so have you gotten away from that giant uh, sort of um pseudo brew in a bag system or, or? well yeah I, I got i got on to i got on to trade me which is which is what i do and um i'm constantly you know looking at stainless tanks you know right, i mean sure. my trade my tra- my trade me watch accounts just stainless stuff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i got a 750 liter boil kettle with a uh, a domed bottom which is it's it's really nice it's like a kind of cone inside that goes upwards right and that's got some burners underneath it then i bought a thousand liter it's an old it's a dairy tank but it's an insulated tank with a mixing unit on it took the mixing unit off it then i made a false floor for it it's pretty big it's probably like 1.8 meters round Mm -hmm. and that's my mash ton now so i've done three I've done three batches on it so far, That's and it pretty works pretty well. So I could I, I can knock about seven hundred liters out in one go. Right. So my days are now a six seven hour day as opposed to a fourteen hour day. <clears throat> right. And is that what is that the current batch size you're brewing about seven hundred liters at a time? Yeah, and then I'll go and then I'll go to twelve hundred. I did nine on when was it? It was Thursday last week. I did about nine hundred and fifty liters in mm-hmm. a day. Mm-hmm. So that was okay, and I could probably do twelve hundred if I um, yeah, I could probably do twelve hundred liters a day. And how many how many days a week you brewing currently? Uh, probably one or two, depending on you got a two week three you got a two or three week turnaround on the fermenters at the moment because I've got brights that have all been converted um, to uh, fermenters, and they work they work really well, uh-huh. uh, but they they do take a little bit of time so two to three weeks so i can do you know that times up by what three seven hundred liter batches every three weeks gotcha gotcha well um let's talk about the beer shall we like so yeah what kind of beer what kind of beer you're brewing well i do lager uh pilsner i do pale ale and sorry, when Red you say log, when you say lager, you mean like a like a standard sort of what kind of? Yeah, I mean, the Pilsner's a lager, so what it's kind a of? A little bit. It's, it's. I suppose it's like a little bit of a Helles lager. Right. Uh, it's just got a little a little bit of Munich in there. Uh-huh. Um, 
yeah, basically Pilsner malt and a little bit of Munich, and it just gives it a little bit of sweetness, you know, and, yeah. and a little bit more color. And then mm-hmm. the Pilsner, I just use, you know, solid Pilsner grain. Right. right. Um, gotcha. Yeah. Go on. So sorry, well. I, I try and, didn't mean to interrupt I, you. Just wanted to get a sense use, of it. I try and use as many New Zealand hops as I can. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, that's why I try. You can't all the time, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's some great New Zealand hops. So it's just working with that. And then, of course, doing the test batches at home, I can play with different hops and get different recipes. Um, but I was slowly just building building up more different beers. And if, if and when I get to do some packaging, then I can really start doing a lot of different beers as well. Sure, sure. Well, uh, I interrupted you, though, in your in your train there, just uh, so we didn't lose, lose track of, of what you meant by lager. But so we got lager, Pilsner, and what else? <clears throat> I do a pale ale uh-huh. and a red IPA mm-hmm. at the moment. Uh, I've done a red grapefruit IPA, American pale ale. Yeah. And then slowly building on some other ones. I'm going to do a couple of little tests for some different beers and get some different beers out. But at the moment, because I'm brewing kegs, of course, I'm brewing to the bars. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of what, what the bars, you know, kind of want. So I do sell a lot of Pilsner. Parallel and lager. Do what? What do you net with these beers have names that someone can look out for them? Uh, no, they're just Bay of Islands Brewing Company, Pilsner Lager. Gotcha. Parallel. Well, that's simple enough. And I've just done, yeah, just done a little tweak on some of the artwork as well. So that's all rolling out over the next couple of weeks. Gotcha. So if there was, so just had a bit of change. If somebody was to. Uh, uh, try to describe your beers to somebody who hasn't had them. What's the what's the glue that holds them all together? What's the thing that is uniquely uh, Bay of Islands Brewery? What's your what's your style? You know, what can one come to expect from your beers? Well, just like a good, well carbonated, clean tasting, flavoursome beer. Yeah, I mean, it's just trying to make the best product that I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've just got a lot of, a lot of pride in what I'm doing. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think just a good, clean, you know, well, well tasting beer. Gotcha. So they sound like, uh, they sound, that's, that's, sound like they're all session beers. None of them sound like they're show ponies per se, just good, easy drinking beer that you. Yeah. Good. Just good, easy drinking beers that you want to have quite a few pints of. I mean, the lager's four and a half percent. The pills is 5.1. The American pale ale, <clears> 5.5. The pale ale I brought down a little bit because I just find it sort of tasted that little bit better on the lower alcohol side but you know they, it, that it's quite good when you're brewing poor bars because you can change that sure you know sure. if you're if you're labeling a product and sending it out the door then it's got to be the same all the time so it does give you a little bit of license that you can change it up which is a good thing about just doing keg sales mm-hmm yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, no, totally, totally. Um, so you are uh, from England. Um, your uh, do your taste? Do you, what you has that experience as someone you know from from the UK uh, who presumably started drinking over there and, and developed their tastes over there? Has that affected the kind of beer that you make at all, or, or are you in sort of a no? New I, world? I wasn't. I wasn't a huge. I wasn't a huge you know, drinker in the UK really. Right. Um, and it was just coming over here and just getting into, getting into the brewing side of it. Um, and that's, yeah, that's kind of what got me into it really. Gotcha. And what aspect? So I've just, no, 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 go on. 
No, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you what aspect <laughs> of, of brewing uh, excites you most. Is it is it the science? Is it the art? Is it the recipe creation? Is it the history? You know, what what uh, drives you? I like I like the gear. I like the stuff <laughs> the that goes with it. I like, I like working out how glycol, how the glycol is going to cool everything down and what you need to insulate it with. And, and at times it's... I had so many frustrating days when I started out in Waipapa and things going wrong, things not working right, you know, and having to throw batches away because, you know, the glycols broke down or it hasn't cooled enough. And, and when you get it right, it's, that's, that's what, you know, that's what, that's what I really enjoy. Interesting. Interesting. You know, when it, and it, and it comes out right over and over and over again. Well, I definitely, I think that was evident seeing, seeing your original setup. It was quite a, quite a sight to see these pulleys lift this gigantic stainless steel (laughs) basket out of a, out of a, uh, you know, out of a pot. It was pretty, it was pretty cool as someone who, who does do brew in a bag, uh, at least from time to time and, and gets it and digs the simplicity of it. I thought it was, it was pretty cool how, how you would kind of put that all together yourself. What's your, what's your background for the listeners? Um, you know, what do you, do you have an engineering background? Like how did, how did you learn no, to no, put all I, this stuff together? I used to paint, um, I used to paint cars for a living. So I did uh, 24 hour Le Mans. We used to do some McLaren Formula One stuff, all the replicas and oh, wow. A1 GP cars. And then, I, and then I got into making the uh, McLaren Formula One replicas mm-hmm. um, and doing flight, building flight simulators and a few bits and pieces. And I'm not, um, I've, it's just a job that I sort of fell into. Right. So it kind of gave me that. When I when I look at something, I just kind of like to know how things work, and sure. and uh, I really do I really do get into things. Gotcha. I didn't know that. I, I know and, you as a guy who, yeah. who I knew you as a musician who also painted houses. So um, that's yeah. I didn't know you you worked with machines in that way. So that makes a lot of sense. Then you 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 can look at a problem and have you have a better sense than most of of mechanically speaking what it's going to take to put together yeah. a, a solution. And, and putting things to a high standard because they were all, all those things came out at a high standard, which is, which is good. So it gives you that kind of benchmark, you know, that, that you, everything's got to be right, you know, for it to work properly. And, and, um, yeah. And that's kind of what I do. I kind of really get into things and it's great. Very cool. Well, what are your goals? So, yeah. so the, your company has been around for how long? Since 2015. 2015. And, and when did you start? Yeah. That's when you started, uh, became an entity, or when did you start um, getting kegs into bars? That's, that's, well, that's when we came, yeah, that's when it came into an entity. And then kegs in bars was probably two years ago. Right. And yeah, how many, so, how many different, uh, you know, bars, restaurants uh, are carrying your stuff currently and how far reaching? Well, in the Bay Area. I mean, I've I've got two I've got two taps in the Duke of Marlborough in the mm-hmm. hotel. So I've got the yeah. lager and pilsner on tap there. Uh, Hone's, I've got lager on at Hone's, and they have. Well, I did a tap takeover there. We did five beers for them. So we did American Pale Ale, the Pale Ale Lager Pilsner, and a Red IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have quite a lot of different beers, which is good. Thirty Thirty had beers. Um, I've just doing just chatting to a few other bars as well locally uh, the black olive have got three taps so they have the um parallel american parallel and the lager right so yeah it's good i've got quite a few taps so i i, I can get through you know i sell quite a bit of beer at the moment so yeah. and it's getting busier and busier which yeah is great 
Well, what's the reality? A lot of the listeners of the show are uh, passionate home brewers. I think every passionate home brewer sort of daydreams at least of starting a brewery. What's the rea- and you hear quite a lot about how tough it is. What's the reality yeah. from your perspective if somebody's coming up and thinking about starting a, a brewery? You're a good, um, I don't know, I, I guess a, uh, a good example of the, uh, a jumping off point for a lot of brewers. You're, you're a one-man show. You built a lot of stuff yourself. Yep. Um, you didn't go and, you know, spend unnecessary amounts of money on necessarily a, a flashy brand new state-of-the-art system. You're, you're going slowly. Um, and you're, you're working, you know, pretty hard out, but you're still pretty contained. Um, you're not packaging, you're not, you know, sending stuff down to Auckland further afield yet. Is it yeah. doable? Can you make a living? Like, how, would you warn people uh, against I think, it? <laughs> I, I think, I think if you've got a spare to get yourself going, if you, and you're going to build it yourself, if you've got yourself a spare 50 grand and thousands and thousands of hours that you're prepared to not be paid for. Yeah. Um, I think it's one of those things that you can get into. I mean, I haven't paid myself for since I started, really. The business has started paying for itself. Right. So, you know, I'm not having to work in the week to... I had to fund it for the first little bit of time by working full-time as well, so I'd brew it only at the weekends. Uh-huh. So it's only been the last month now I've moved into my new place yeah. that I've stopped... Um, I've stopped working, you know, in the week. So, I'm just concentrating on the brewery. Gotcha. And you're you're currently, at least with the current model, squeaking out enough to sort of make it make it work as your job. Nearly getting there. <laughs> yeah, getting there. You know, no fair, fair, fair. Again, enough. but 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 building the bigger, the whole point of building the bigger gear was to to free my time up also. So yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm not brewing as longer in the day. It's uh, I don't spend. You spend a certain amount. I'm thinking sort of three days in the brewery, and then two days you you know delivering and sales and talking to people and selling your products and 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 building relationships sure. that way, um, and moving moving beer that way as well. So. And what yeah. is your long-term it's, it's, goal? Where do you want to see Bay of Islands Brewery go? Um, I think just get, just move more beer, get bigger and bigger, and and um, start doing some packaging as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've thought about the bottle side of things, but I think I'm probably going to go down the canning road. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just working, just working through that at the moment, and the, you know, how I'm going to go about that. Is this a lifestyle thing for you or do you want to go the distance with it? You know, would you be happy to turn it into a, a, a massive company if, if the cards, uh, you know, um, you know, deal you a fortunate hand? I don't know yet. Yeah. I don't know. I like, I like, I like the fact of being able to do it all myself. It's, yeah. It's really good. Sure. Um, because you've got, you know, you've got complete control over your product. Right. Which is, you know, it, that's the most important thing. When people come to a bar and they buy your product and they drink it, it's got to be, if it's in the hands, you know, if you take it out of your hands, then it's got to be really trusting, you know, in that, to have that product as good mm-hmm. as you know that you can make it yourself, if that makes sense. Totally, totally. Um, well, well, where was I going to go with this? Um, <clears throat> we were just talking the other night, uh, who was it? Um, who was here? We were having a dinner, and uh, oh, it was it was our our friend Andre? You know Andre, uh, right? Oh, I know Andre. Yes, yes, and he was talking about our our little homebrew group and how like you know we were yeah. all just a bunch of friends really into home homebrew five years ago or whatever it was, and how and yeah. how many 
things sort of blossomed from this little homebrew club. You know, Gary obviously went on with Kainui. Uh, at the time, he had yeah. he had just started Kainui, and it had just gotten off the ground, but it was very small-time, 80-liter batches. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah, And then yeah. Rob started Fat House, and you started Bay of Islands. Yeah. Uh, I went on to, to start the New Zealand Brewer podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, and, which is great. Yeah, great. I, I, was, I, was, I was the smart one who didn't actually become a professional brewer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. You don't want to be left in kegs all day, honestly. You just don't want to be doing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, the co- couple others were involved with some of these different operations as well. It was a really neat thing because, we you know, when I moved here, there were no breweries. Um, in, in that's right. Kerry, Kerry, if if not the far north, and now there's a whole bunch of them, and they all came from the same, the same vine, so to speak. It's neat. Um, so yeah, I've just been. Okay. When I, sorry. No, no, go on. No, I, I was just saying, being down south at the moment, um, it's quite good going in all these different breweries and just seeing everybody set up and see how they set up, see how they package and and talk to the brewers, and they're all. You know they're, they're they're all quite open and and it's a really good it's a really good place to be you know like to, just to talk to the brewers they're very open people and 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 beer's a cool thing you know and it's something that you can talk about quite a lot and and it's um yeah it's good it's a good industry of being mm, mm, indeed indeed full of good people so you describe the beers that uh, you're making and you know we seem to both agree that you know. You, you could you could sum them up as just very sort of straightforward, sessionable, um, good yep. drinking beers. Uh, do you ever yep. embark or have any plans or hopes to embark in the sort of uh, weird beer, for lack of a, a better term, you know, weirder, yep. weirder, stranger things, anything from from you know the the double triple uh, or even you know Belgian or wild or sour, or, you know, is that any of that in your f- plans or is yep. that just not your, yep. your thing? No, definitely. I've got some. I've got some yeast to try out for. Um, I've got quite a few, so I'll do a few test batches. I'm gonna try and work on the packaging over the next sort of three or four months. This summer is just to keep all my customers. So I've got a few customers now and keep them all happy over that summer period when it gets, you know, when it gets real busy. Uh-huh. Um, and then I'm I'm looking at some packaging machines at the moment, and then I can start doing runs, 300, 600 runs of unique beers and then i can package them and they can go out that way uh-huh. because i've got to sort of see if the bars are quite keen you know to have if you sell something that people don't want to buy as much over the tap then you know you, you have to kind of move the beers. so that's why at the moment i kind of play it safe with the lager pills the american pale right, ale sure. um pale ale because people kind of can go to that straight away right um but when I start packaging, then yeah, I can start really playing around with beers and then get them packaged and get them out because you're selling, you know, you're selling them to a lot of different people. Yeah, yeah. Well, so what are some of these beers that you might want to explore? Well, I've done quite a few. Like I do the red IPA and red grapefruit IPA, yeah. which is great. But I wait until the you know grapefruits are ripe and then um, do those. And then a couple of sours I've been looking at, but I haven't really played around with them yet. So. Oh, cool. That that'll be in the next, you know, when I get a bit of free time, either at home or the brewery, I'll um, I'll make some up and nice. I'll see how they go. And no, no doubt they'll probably fall on your door and you can have a little <laughs> critique of them, John. Awesome, awesome. And so, so you uh, you were brewing a porter. Did that ever make it out commercially? 
Uh, yeah, I sold a. Um, well, it was it was kind of a dark. It was kind of a, the porter didn't, but I did like a dark IPA. I think. Oh yes, that's I right. I did see that, that floating around a black IPA. So, so I had I did that for a while. I haven't done that again since. Um, but again, just over this period of summer, I'll just focus on that those four or five beers for now, mm-hmm. um, and then just make sure all the bars. You know, I can keep all the bars stocked. Um, and then, you know, come January, come February time, I can start doing some different beers as well and putting them out. Very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah. Are you, are you w- any chance, oh, you don't have to do this, but any, you have any way of, or maybe you have some in your fridge currently, any, any chance of getting me and Gary a beer or two that we can drink on, on the show? I have. I think I've got a red IPA that I've been saving in a keg at home. Okay. And I was and I was just thinking about that. I can bottle that up and I'll drop it off here because you are the, I'm, I probably live closest to you to, like we're, we're pretty much, we're not neighbors, but we're only a few paddocks away from each other. Yeah, so. indeed. indeed. Well, I'll have to, have to get my hands on, and perhaps by the time the listeners are hearing this, uh, I will, we will have already drunken it and be talking about it in the intro to the show. Um, so, yeah. uh, as you know, one of the things we like to do on this show is try to talk you brewers into sharing a recipe with our listeners. Home brewers uh, like to take a, a crack at cloning either beers yeah. of breweries that they love um, to sort of see if they can, you know, drink them side by side and see how close, you know, they can they can get yep. to the mark, or uh, to have a chance to try a beer from a brewery that is perhaps not available in their area. Um, uh, is that something that you are willing to do with us to share a recipe uh, on the show? Indeed, indeed, I, indeed, I am. Fantastic. Well, uh, so what beer are you going to share with us today? So I've got my red IPA. Nice. Um, which, which I, um, yeah, which I sell, which is, which is, it's, it's great beer. Um, I'm just having a look on it on my phone now. And now is this, is this the same recipe that you use for the grapefruit uh, IPA, but just without the grapefruit, or it is. is it is it different? It is. Gotcha. It is. And then you can add the grapefruit to it. Um, I, I did um, one year. I took the grapefruits when they were slightly tart, just before they were really, really ripe, uh-huh. and it was quite nice because it was kind of, it wasn't a sour, but it had that sort of light sourness to it. Uh-huh. It was like a, um, yeah, it tasted quite interesting. It was like a, like a, like an entry level sour, right? Because you had that sourness of the grapefruit. And that went through it. Yeah, it works well. Yeah, I'm a fan of, of grapefruit IPA. The first one I had was from Ballast Point in the States, and uh, I think it's really, that's, that's really right. nice beer. Um, and we I, should I'm add... Not, I, I'm not sure whether they... No, no go on. I'm not sure not sure whether they use an extract for that one because when I've tasted it it's it's got that you know it's going to be if you use fresh grapefruit it makes you know it does make a, a heck of a difference yeah I, I, get th- my I thought and then I'll, I'll squeeze it and freeze it right and then that way it can um, if you free you know freeze it then you can just bring it to a boil quick and then cool it down again and then use that in your finished beer if you want to gotcha. or when it gets down to sort of you know one one fifteen, you can chuck it in then. So you're using the juice rather than, than the zest. That's right. Interesting, interesting. Mo- yeah, most of the folks I'm aware of use the, the zest. I, I have heard of a few that use the juice, so that's interesting. We might have to circle back to that and, and talk about it a bit. Um, I should add, because yeah. um, we're hearing a little bit of wind hitting your your mic, you're actually on holiday as we're talking right now, and you're walking I'm around in, somewhere in, in the South I'm, Island. I'm in. I'm in Kaikoura on a beach watching Hector's <laughs> dolphins swim around. It's quite nice. relaxing. Nice. Um, 
So, all right. So, so red IPA, you've, you're got, you're going to share it. How are you going to give it to us in uh, a particular batch size? Uh, 23 liter, tw- yeah, 23 liter batch size. I just rounded it down because of course I've gone from 132 liter sizes to 150s. Then I jumped up to 400s. Now I've gone to 600. So I did this one a while ago and I scaled it down from 132 liters, which is the one barrel size that beer smith give me and i just run everything through beer smith i find it's a really good um it's a really good program gotcha very cool all it's right great. so let's let's start with the uh the grist so the grist i'd go for uh 4.07 kgs of um so that's four four kgs and seven grams of gladfield american ale malt gotcha and then 1.18 kilos of Munich malt. Uh-huh. And Gladfield just does one Munich, right? Yeah, they do, yeah. Yeah, they don't have and a I one use, and two. I pretty much use all Gladfield malts. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, that's that's basically what I use. I don't really use any other malts, which is which is good. You know, it's, um, I, like, I like using good New Zealand products. Um, Indeed. Then it's 0.51 kgs of redback, Gladfield redback malt. Uh-huh. And then 0.51 kgs of Gladfield Shepherd Delight. We'll talk about, uh, so sorry, before I actually interrupt you, is that it for the grist? Yes. We'll talk about those two last malts, the, the redback and the Shepherd's Delight and the use of the two of them together because I know... Uh, well, actually, historically, from talking with... Um, uh, the folks at Gladfield, I, I think that in their red IPAs, they'd recommend uh, a combo of Shepherd's Delight and their Aurora malt, I think it was, or maybe it wasn't, some some other malt, yeah. but they didn't, I don't think, have red back at the time. So I'm guessing maybe this yeah. is the, the new recommended combo, but but talk about those two malts, what they impart and, and how you use them together, because they're both well, red imparting malts. Yeah, the, the Shepherd's Delight's a little bit darker, I think think than the red back mm-hmm. um i mean i've used them i've put them in just to get that color right and the the um the color's 36.2 ebc mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah. it seems to work really well i think the red i think the shepherd's delight's quite it's got some darkness to it but um, i only use those two for this beer just to get that to get that color yeah, and are they- so it looks like a well, are they crystal malts? Yeah, are they Aurora malts? Uh, not Aurora, uh, Melanoidin malts? Are they both? Is it one of I'm each? Not, I'm not sure. I'm actually not sure. Okay. Well, how did you how did you come about that combo? Just experimenting? I've just looked, yeah, just experimenting. Yeah. Just trying to get those, get those colors right. Gotcha. And, um, and, it, and it works. Cool. Nice. Um, all right. So, and then you do anything special to your water? I put uh, eight grams of gypsum in. Eight grams of gypsum, got it, and seven point uh, five six of calcium chloride. Oh, yep, gotcha. And four grams of Epsom salts. Cool. So this is, of course, I have my water tested, and then I send it to a company that send me back the information. So uh-huh. then I put that information into Beersmith, and that basically tells me on the style of what I'm doing. Um, how you know how to treat that water? And like everybody else around here, I assume your water has very little in it. Yeah, it hasn't got a great deal. And of course, Haruru Falls, I was terrified because the water there right. is notoriously rubbish. Right, right. Um, well, is it? I didn't, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, if you go to 
if you drink the the you know the house water from Pi here and around through Huru, it's not that flash. Is it because so it's is it town supply or something? Yes, yeah, town supply, but it comes from the river, I think. Okay. Um, so I had mine tested. I just got it sent back on day before yesterday, and it's pretty much the same. Once you filter it, you know it all comes back to. As I talked to Gary about water filtering, and he just says, you know, just you, you just have to filter it back and then just add your salts, right. and it. It looks like it'll be okay. It tastes really good, so that's the most important thing. Cool. You know, the water t- the water tastes great, so it's um, yeah, that's what I do. Put it good. through Beersmith, and it tells tells you what to use. <clears throat> great. So, but but you're but anyone using a pretty a pretty sort of soft water is going to uh, probably fare pretty well with with those salt additions if they don't have the ability to go send off for testing. That's right, and yeah. and if you've got concrete tanks, um, you know that's why. I, it, same sort of thing, you know, your rainwater going into concrete tanks and, and um, or tank supply water. That's what I do. I just add that. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. All right. So uh, let's adjust. Uh, go on. Oh, and just adjust the pH, you know, in your mash. Yeah. That's, you know, a little bit of lactic acid if you need it. And, but you've got slightly darker grains in there. So, um, you know, it's just doing those adjustments as you're going through that brewing process. Do you have a target pH that you're after? Anywhere between five, four and five, six. Gotcha. All right. Um, yeah, and five, six is okay. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, that's a, may, perhaps, a, you know, within range, but a little higher than some brewers we talked to that seem to more go for the, you know, five, five, three kind of area, um, yep. which is yep. interesting. Um, and then uh, mash temp. Mash temp would be, let me have a look here. I'd go 60, about 68, 69. Um, 68, so my parallels in slightly higher. So gotcha. yeah, okay. Uh, they usually come down about sixty-seven around there. Gotcha. So, um, and this is, I assume sort of a standard standard sixty-minute mash, no steps. That's right. Gotcha. You can if you're doing if you're doing brewing a bag, you could probably you know you could heat it up a little bit mm-hmm. to you know get those get those residual sugars off the grain. Right. But sometimes you know if you do a little sparge, maybe if it's just the top. I always like to, if you're taking the water out, you know, maybe just rinse those grains with some water at 75 degrees. You might use a few liters just to get anything that's there, and you can top, you know, you can top your um your boil kettle up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it just depends how you do your brewing process. You know, everyone's different, really. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, very cool, very cool. All right, so after 60 minutes, uh, we are going to sparge out. Or uh, Are you still using some kind of uh, brew-in-a-bag style system? Like, what are you doing for your sparge these days? Well, I, well, I've got um, – I've just got a HD200 on the wall, which is um, a water system that gives me – I've set it at 70 – it's about 77 degrees. Mm-hmm. So I've just got that amount of water all the time so i fill right. my mash tun up now with say 800 liters of 75 degrees and i might have to add a little bit of cold water and mm-hmm. then mash in mm-hmm. and then with my sparge i just turn the hot water on right gotcha. and it flicks around there at you know the 79 something like that uh-huh. and it works it works really good it saved me so much time yeah because i don't have to heat water up from 55 anymore sure sure all right and then uh and then the boil so, so you're doing a standard so 60 boil. minute boil Standard sixty-minute boil, yeah, and okay. I'd go twenty-three point well, twenty-three grams of uh, tomahawk or Columbus. Uh huh. Right at, at sixty. Well, I really like I really like that hop. I think it's great. That's sixty minutes, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and um, and then your so that that'll be it. And then when it comes to whirlpool, so I like to try and get the whirlpool at ninety degrees, and then you drop in forty six grams of mosaic. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Sorry, at ten. Sorry, ten minutes. Ten minutes towards the end of the boil, you put forty six mosaic in. Forty six grams. Uh huh. Okay. And at whirlpool, you put in forty six. Gotcha. All right. So, f- so I'd let that sit at 90 degrees for 90 degrees, you know, for 10 minutes and then, and then cool it down. Gotcha. Sorry. Just taking notes here and trying to mute my microphone while I'm sitting here, uh, tapping away. All right. Um, and that's it for the hops. Yep. For now. And so just Columbus and then Mosaic uh, 10 minutes before yep. and then during the whirlpool and then we are fermenting. So what temperature are we fermenting at and what yeast are we using? Well, I'd start at, start at 17 and a half to 18 degrees um, and I'd use uh, Safael, I'd use Fermentus USO5. Mm-hmm. Cool. So you're, uh, you're a dry yeast guy? Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. yeah, yeah. I use um, I use a lot of dry yeast. Sometimes I'll repitch, but yeah, I do use a lot of dry yeast. I mean, it works. It gives you the same result every time. Yeah, no, I'm I'm um, I'm a fan. I, I actually, I, I just I've I, been for to the reason you just mentioned. Yeah, well, I've I've been to um, a couple of academies in Wellington with um, Fermentis, and they put a lot of they do the whole courses, which you know they last a whole day, and they send you all the information that they that they've got from what they've done and they go into extensive testing and and it is a it's a really good product but it keeps working over and over again and also you don't have to oxygenate um, fermenters if i have a 600 liter batch i won't oxygenate that batch unless i want to stir it up a little bit now some of the guys from one of the big breweries in wellington said that they had the fermentist guys go down and they did a 2000 liter batch without oxygenating. Wow. And he, and the brewer and the brewer was a little bit concerned about it. Mm-hmm. He said it came out great. Wow. So yeah, that's, that's so that, a really interesting point that, um, I don't think I've ever really thought about because I, I'm aware of that fact that you're, you're not supposed to need to do that. But as a home brewer, only dealing with carboys, I shake it up anyway because it's simple to do. But on, on your scale, it requires a, an additional process, additional time, and additional equipment. Um, so by using that dry product, well, that's right. You eliminate that. Yeah, mm. I, I'm trying to eliminate everything that could go wrong in that process. So, so in the brewery, I try. Uh, all I'm doing is making the right environment for that yeast to do the best job that it can. Gotcha. And is this? Do you use many yeasts in your in your brewery, or do you use USO5 on just about? Well, I guess you have some lagers. So I use USO5 and USO4 and quite a few different ones. There's quite a few different lager yeasts. Mm-hmm. It's just working out which ones you know are faster and, right. and and work better. But from the tests that they've done, I mean, they, they, you can beat up those yeasts pretty bad, and they will. They you know they they do the job really well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I was quite, I was quite impressed to be honest. Yeah. Well, very cool. Um, yeah. All right. So where do where do we go with that? So it started at seventeen. Yeah, and I would let it run. You know, I'd let it run for six or seven days, I suppose, until until it's you know getting close to reaching 
you know, final gravity. Cool. And, and, and hey, Rich, if we could here. be mindful of the wind, uh, it's it's coming into yeah. your, your mic pretty strong there. Sorry, but uh, you were saying? Okay. Can you hear it now? I'm nope. coming back to it. Nope, nope. You're good. Okay, good. Um, so, yeah, I'd let it run for about six or seven days, just checking the gravity. Yeah. And then when you get close you know when that when that bubble starts to slow down i mean that's that's what i usually do you know i watch the fermentation so when it starts to slow down i'll bring it up a couple of degrees you can bring it up to 20 degrees Mm -hmm. 20.5 21 and let it sit there for you know two or three days until it's finished completely finished out yeah and then you can and then we're going to dry hop but you can dry hop just as it's finishing off as well Uh uh-huh um, and I put 46 Columbus in there and 46 Mosaic. Got it. All right. And I do find that sometimes when you're dry hopping, you get that, that hop creep, so it can bring your gravity down a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Why that is, I don't know, but it just does seem to happen. Um, and these are pretty pretty different hops, Mosaic and, and Columbus. Um, yeah. What, what's the, I guess, the thought of that combo? What is it you like about it? What does it impart? I just swell them, and they just seem to go well together, and they work. But sure. they give they give the, the beer a kind of, it's already got that great fruitiness to it. Uh-huh. So you don't really, you don't, I mean, if you add it, it makes a big difference. But... Um, it, it, it's got that whole, it's got quite a, a real citrus smell about it with those two hops. Mm-hmm. And I drop, dry hop those for four days. So I usually dry hop as I'm bringing that temperature up. So it has the four days of yeah. it kind of cleaning up after itself. Sure. Your dry hop's done as well. Gotcha. And then you cold crash and, and package. Any conditioning? Yeah. Get it as cold as you can. Um, you know, a couple, a couple of weeks, you can condition it for a couple of weeks, but it's pretty much good to go. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, when it's clear and it's carbonated, it's, you know, it's a, you know, it's a fresh beer. Yeah. And what, what can the brewer expect? Describe this beer. Well, it's a, it's a six point, works out, comes in at around about 6.2%. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, yeah, citrusy. It's got, you know, real nice body to it. And it's you know it's it's got great it's got a great nose on it and so it's very citrusy very grapefruit like um, yeah it's a nice beer is there really much nice coming beer. through on the malt or is it really just all about the hops yeah no 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 you can taste the malt as well it's very it's it's, it's a well it's a nicely balanced beer it's good. nice and nice. if you want to use grapefruit I'm trying to think of off the top of my head how much I added I think for fifty liters I put about four liters of grapefruit juice that was pressed grapefruit juice and then frozen uh-huh. and then i'll bring the grapefruit just heat it up and just get it so it's might just bring it up to like 90 degrees and then cool it down again just to kill anything that could be in there right and then i put that in again on that dry hop when you put your dry hop in mm-hmm. and then any sugars in there and there's still any yeast that's floating around, it will just kind of tidy everything up because it's still active in there. Gotcha. So you pasteurize it separately and then and then chuck yeah. it in at the dry hop yeah. stage. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. And then that way it doesn't, a lot of that flavor doesn't get fermented out from the start. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Sounds great. Yeah. And if somebody is visiting the far north or the Bay of Islands more specifically and um, wants to give this beer a try, where can they at least currently find it? Well, currently, 
Um, I have it. Uh, it has been at Hone's in Russell. Mm-hmm. Um, I still need to make some more batches of it. Uh, that would have been the only place, but no, I haven't at the moment. It's not on tap anywhere, no. unfortunately. But it will, it will be because it's in the brewing schedule. So yeah, well, we're recording this uh, in advance, and I, I haven't even slotted it in exactly yet. I think it's going to come out right before Christmas. It'll either be right before or right after. Um, and um, no doubt, a lot of our listeners uh, from. Further afield, we'll be on holiday up here in the far north, especially with travel being, um, you know, sort of di- pretty pretty difficult to non-existent at the moment outside of the country. Um, what, I expect we'll have a lot of listeners up in Russell and, and around the Bay of Islands uh, that yeah. are keen to seek out your beer. So, so keep an eye uh, out for it if you are, um, you know, at any uh, fine establishment here in the far fine. north. Yeah, fine local supporting establishment. <laughs> indeed, indeed. There's quite a, there's, and there's quite a few of them in the Bay of Islands. You know, it's um, there's quite a lot of craft bars that that are open to supporting local, and and it's good. And it it seems to be getting better and better for that. Mm. And there's more, you know, people are more open to that having local beers, and the, <clears> and the bars are more interested because they have more. You know, people want local. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, well, the Duke of Marlborough is a is a must stop. You know, if you're visiting um, the area, yeah. and uh, and and as you say, they've got a couple of your beers on tap. So, yeah, um, you can find the Richie's beer from the Bay of Islands Brewery there, and at Hone's around the corner, and elsewhere uh, here in the Bay of Islands. So, um, I guess before we before we part. Just to kind of get your perspective as a brewer, you know, what else is out there that you like? What are your favorite breweries in New Zealand? Who's making beer that you just that just you know floats your boat? Oh, uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, anymore. Everyone's really got to go to um, Kelly's place in Wellington yeah, and yeah. just have a look at all those taps and yeah. all those beers. I spent a little bit of time in there a while ago and I had a good chat with him. And yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's really good. Um, it's pretty you know, awesome it, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a bad beer it's, on, and it's just, on, on tap. Nah. No, no, there's not, and, and you know, and it take you've got to you've got to give it a good two three days just to get through them all. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 good, um, and you know, all all the places. Gary's got some great beers on at um, at the Plough, sure. you know. Indeed. So I'm I'm often I'm often down there, and you know, we get together and you know, pound some beers, and it's um, yeah, it's good fun. It's good fun. For sure, for sure. Well, very cool. Thank you, uh, Richie, for taking the time to tell your story and share that recipe. I'm sure our listeners will appreciate it. Um, hoping, hoping we can get some, get our hands on some of your beer to to drink and enjoy on the show and talk to talk yeah, about with I'll, the listeners. And well, I'll bottle you some up and yeah. then I'll bring you some over. That sounds fantastic. Um, all right. Any final thoughts before we sign off? Yeah, yeah. Just um, you know, everyone keep brewing. It's great. It's a great it's a great thing to do, you know. It's um it's 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 good when you finish your beer and you get to drink it and you know that you've made it from scratch, you know? Yeah. It's great. Well once you get hooked on and, the taste of fresh beer, it's really hard to start uh it's really hard to drink commercial beer i mean well it's it's not that yeah, there yeah. aren't fresh tasting good commercial beers out there they, they certainly are out there but um they're they're rarer than they are common and i'm yeah. not one who drinks purely for the alcohol i you know and i'll dump it down the sink if it's not up to scratch and i'm probably dumping at least 50 percent of the beers i open because it just I don't want to put that. I don't want to commit, you know, the the the, the calories and the potential hangover yeah. to a beer that's that's not fresh. And so, um, I that's think right. more than anything, that's a great argument for home brewing is you'll you'll never get fresher. 
And I think don't be afraid to, um, you know, use hops. Just, you know, beer was created, you know, years and years ago, was it, by people using what they had on yeah. site at the time. Yeah. And I think it's good to experiment with that and think, you know, people say, oh, well, that might not work. Well, give it a go because you never know. You might fall in. I've fallen into loads of really cool recipes by kind of throwing things together. And, and it either works or it doesn't work. But when it works, it's, you know, it's really cool. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I like that you said that yeah. because that's, I think I'm getting a little exhausted. I think a lot of people are by all the sort of, you know, milkshake IPAs and trend chasing yeah. sort of uh, beers or breweries that are out there. And you're right, historically, I mean, I'm sure there's examples of it, but historically, beer, the beer styles that we all know and love, they, for the most part, didn't evolve because some clever brewer was trying to Im- impress someone with flavor. I mean, certainly, taste was was part of it but for the most part it was brewers doing the best they could to uh use the ingredients that they had in their area to craft a beer that was appropriate for the the conditions you know whether that was a hot climate or a cold climate um whether it was you know whether it was a strong beer for cold nights or a low alcohol beer uh for people working in the fields they were just they were they were filling a need using ingredients that they had and that's how it all you know there were other pressures ranging from politics to to taxation to to temperance movements and religion and all kinds of different pressures but but it was rarely a brewer trying to be clever and more just a brewer trying to make the best beer they could with with the circumstances that they were dealing with. And that's that's what's exciting to me, because through that you get a glimpse of culture um, and, and even right. a bit of history. So um, I think I think what you just said is 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 really uh, refreshing there. We don't know. I, I've gone through that. I think every brewer goes through that 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 cycle of trying to make the weirdest beer possible, or the most clever beer possible. And I think most of yeah. them, uh, most of us all come back to just wanting to make an, a nice beer that's fresher and better and more tailored to our particular tastes um, than the beer we can buy in the store. That's right. Because you do go to that whole point of, oh, I'm going to drink IPAs. I want something really strong. I want it super hoppy. I want it. And then, and then you kind of end up coming back to kind of where you started in a yeah, way. Yeah. For um, sure. Which is just, you know, a good, fresh, nice beer. And you either want it refreshing or you can have a stronger beer. But, you seem to come it seems to do full circle it does it does does indeed all right well thank you very much richie uh again this is richie brownsword from bay of islands brewery uh up here in the far north in the bay of islands um thanks for taking the time and thank you all right cheers pai nui Bruco is a fast-growing farmhouse brewery located at kitty in the far north offering a wide range of beer styles from our highly sessionable Woodamoo Wallace Scottish Ale to our unfiltered East Coast Double IPA, bursting with juicy tropical fruit flavours. Or if you prefer the complexities of farmhouse ales and mixed ferments, then try our Summer Love Saison, a refreshing Belgian Saison that is brimming with notes of black pepper and ripe pineapple. Just one of the many enticing beers in our farmhouse and sour funk series. To find out more about our tasting room, trading hours, or our growing lineup of beers, Go to kainuibruco.co.nz. That's kainuibruco.co.nz. Kia ora. What did you think about that there, Gary? 
Well, John, as you said before the interview, Richie's going to put a bit of you know spirit back into the party, and that's exactly what he did. <laughs> um, uh, Richie's, Richie's a, a great guy. He's Richie is exactly the type of person that you want involved in the New Zealand brewing scene because he is super, super passionate about beer, um, loves drinking it, loves making it even more, maybe. Um, so yeah, great, great guy. And if you can, if you can find. Get your hands on uh, some of Richie's product, then I would uh, highly recommend that. So Duke of Marlborough, uh, we're Black in Olive. town here at the Black Olive, and um, or just go rock up at the brewery and just tell them that we sent you. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> well, with all those Aucklanders coming north uh, this Christmas and and beyond, um, you know, no doubt some fo- some listeners will find themselves at the Duke of Marlborough, and uh, yeah, you know, absolutely. Buy a pint, see what you think. Let us know. Smash a pint or six. Smash a pint. No, um, maybe not six. Don't go to No, nah, come on. Uh, no, come on, John. Don't encourage that sort of drinking, mate. <laughs> we, should, we should also... Uh, we should also thank Richie for sharing that recipe um, to his to his IPA there. That I think I think the... I think the listeners are going to dig that, um, and uh, that was nice of him to share it. So, uh, if you don't get a chance to come this far north and you want to have a have a little glimpse at the the beers that uh, Bay of Islands is brewing, then you've got that fine recipe there, and all of our. Patreon supporters will get a, a scaled down version, scaled down to 23 liters, all printable and ready to go um, when uh, they support us at uh, patreon.com forward slash New Zealand Brewer. A few bucks a month goes a long way to helping uh, make this podcast possible. You get all of our past recipes and some bonus content as well. And more than anything, our sincere appreciation because uh, that support really m- means a lot. It takes a lot of work to make this podcast happen. And most of the money that comes in goes right back into advertising to help spread the word and get the podcast out there. Um, it's really a labor of love. And, uh, and uh, you know, if, if you'd like to support us, that's the best way to do it. Patreon.com forward slash New Zealand Brewer. Um, and, you know, if you want to brew the uh, Richie's recipe or really any of the recipes uh, that you hear on the show, then get yourself on over to our favorite homebrew supply store, which is brewshop.co.nz. Uh, and while you're there, use coupon code NZBrewer. Once again, that's coupon code NZBrewer to get 10% off on all ingredients store wide. Hey, and while you're there, take a peek at the new keg mentor. Now, the keg mentor basically combines a keg and a fermenter into one vessel so you can ferment, carbonate, and serve your beer right from the same vessel. It essentially works just like a uni tank, but it's extremely affordable compared to a traditional uni tank. Now you can either carbonate naturally with the use of their adjustable pressure relief valve, or if you're using a CO2 gas cylinder, you can force carbonate. The keg mentor allows you to ferment and serve your beer without exposing it to oxygen or bacteria during transfer, which is huge uh, for home brewers. That's a that's a big deal. This this could really save a lot of batches of beer. Now the keg mentors come in a 29 liter or 58 liter uh, size, um, which is of course perfect for home brewers. So if you're looking to treat yourself to something special this Christmas, uh, maybe check out the keg mentor because uh, I, I think it make a perfect gift for uh, for yourself or the home brewer in your life. Uh, and look, we don't just recommend Brew Shop because they sponsor this show. We really don't. We shop at Brew Shop 
up before they sponsored this podcast, and we will continue to do so regardless of their relationship with this show. Why? Because they're simply the best place to get home brew ingredients and supplies in New Zealand, in our humble opinions. They store ingredients right, they ship things fast, and you can count on them to always stay on the cutting edge in terms of the equipment that they carry. I can't give them a higher recommendation. So once more, head on over to brewshop.co.nz next time you need homebrew ingredients or gear and use coupon code NZBREWER during checkout to save 10% on all ingredients store-wide. All right, so unfortunately, we don't have any of Richie's beer here to drink. He he went out of town. I'm John. I know. He bottled it up, and it's in his refrigerator, but he's out of town and uh, didn't get it to us in time. Yeah. Excuse me? Yeah. That's cheeky. I just talked to him on the phone today, and he's he's saying he's out of town, but I did not realize that he rushed out of town without doing that, so I would have had a... Probably different words with him, John, today, if I'd known that. You would have, you would have um, put him in his place, eh? I would have told him what I thought about him. Giving him the good old yes. what for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Good old dressing down, John. Yep, yep. Um, but we have something else pretty exciting. Uh, we have a homebrew beer here to crack into. We do. You've got not one. Just, not just any old homebrew beer. How was it? No, it's not. You've got one. You've got a bottle. I've got a bottle. This is one that's been... We've been holding on to this for a little while. And given that this is our Christmas episode, it seemed like this was the time to crack into it. This is... is, You want to tell us a little bit about this? This We're creating history here, mate. This is, you know... um, So we have actually... Have we had this exact same beer? No, no, no. This one is uh, the barrel-aged portion. Uh, So, I get it, get it. So Chris Banks, um, I've talked about him a few times on some earlier episodes on the podcast. Um, great guy, amazing um, engineer, and he does a lot of uh, brewing work around, you know, for for um, more so commercial breweries these days. Um, but anyway, back in the day, he sent us a whole bunch of wines that they've been. They've got this little brewing club called Old Old Timber Brewing, and they get together and fill up a barrel between them. Um, from what I can gather, is that right, John? They, do you remember? I don't. They sort of, but that, they create I, words, some, I think, in like each that. of their own breweries, and then they put, pour it all into one barrel and, and age it, and um, or yeah, whatever, whatever they do. But so we've got a barley wine here. Ooh, I can just, I've, I've, I've just popped the the bottle cap off, and it's just I'm waiting to pour yeah. it, and I can smell it yes, wafting up. It's like amazing. a, it's like a, it's like it's just like a licorice rope coming out and whacking mm. me in the in the face. It's it's. So it was bottled. Yeah, sorry, John, to cut you off there. ABV is twelve percent, and it was bottled sixteenth uh, of June two thousand and sixteen. Oh, so this is the non-barrel aged portion. Oh, is it non-barrel? I thought this was the barrel aged. Oh no, you're oh, right. Mine was just a. It was a little blurred. Um, it looked like it said Ron barrel aged and I didn't know what that meant yeah, but I think we've had the barrel aged yeah okay so this is the non barrel aged barley wine at 12% sounds great though through the bottle like you said it's shrinkly goodness oh, oh, see this is where oxidation comes into its own I um you know, there's oxidation character, but it's just adds so much to the beer rather than detracting from when it's a lower percentage beer. It's the it's that malt that oxidized malt flavor that mm. um, I don't know. I can remember it needs sweetness to back it up or something. Maybe. Well, definitely, it, it's just 
it's a flavor I remember when I was first kind of just getting into beer and finding out the things that I really loved. And I, I loved the sort of sweeter, m- really malty beers. And I didn't recognize that as oxidized malt. And I've had some really bad oxidized malt since then. But um, it's bringing me back to those first couple of um, old aged uh, barley wines that and, and even uh, a beer like the uh, what is, uh, is uh, am I saying it right? The Sammy Klaus, you know, that that sort of big Christmas 14 percent lager beer. Um, that was one of the first sort of extremely malty sort of beers. A very different beer than this, but uh, it's that oxidized sort of pleasantly oxidized malt. Um, smell, yeah, is, is, sherry is really sherry funny. Character. Yeah, sherry is a good a good um, descriptor. All right, so you want to give us what you get first? Yeah, it is that big sherry hit, um, but yeah, deep like a deep malt base that that oxidized character, but backed up by a lot of sweetness. So sherry, pruny, raisin, but also like a cutting edge of paper as well there. But yeah. It's yeah. It's I mean it's because there's so much going on, it becomes complexity that you enjoy rather than just fucking oxidation sticking out in your nose. It's actually blending in a little bit. Well, obviously a lot more into the the background. Yeah, I sort of get just to, when you say paper, it's like tobacco. You know, it's almost mm, like smelling a cigar, yeah, yeah. just about like a, a you know a fresh cigar. Smell, smell a freshly rolled joint. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, it's. Smells amazing. Smells great. It smells like something you want to dive into, and it, it smells like. Um, see, I enjoy these beers more than I do the Russian Imperial for some reason. I don't know mm-hmm. why, but Russian Imperial gets too syrupy for me. It doesn't have the complexity, maybe, of this kind of beer where I can, I expect it to be sweet a bit more, and I, I don't mind that mm-hmm. too much. Mm-hmm. But the flavour, um, very round, very complex. I'm getting a lot of sort of prune but with a little bit of orange zest almost thrown in like it's mm-hmm. um yeah there's still quite a bit of astringency there actually which is biting um which actually probably adds to the experience because it doesn't doesn't come off as cloying actually which i'd quite like the av of a bitterness is really high which is great it's just balancing that beer and it's it's super well balanced um i want to say it's pretty excellent i uh, it's hard to say I would say it's probably just on the downward slope like it's it's had it hit its peak right um, I think the oxidation may have gone just a touch too far for my liking but it's still all really great I, I really love this beer um, I'm gonna yeah I, I, I haven't tasted it yet I suspect um, I probably am gonna agree with that that um, perhaps that it's just past its prime I'm only saying that based on the aroma um, because there is just a, perhaps a little too much cardboard in the mix, but um, but it's still very pleasant and it's not out of place um, when you know when it comes to what you expect from a, a beer that's nearly five years old, you know. Um, mm. And and there, as I said, it, it is a pleasant oxidized malt character, not not a um, because there is, as you say, all this other complexity to sort of support it. Um, mm-hmm. I've had some old barley wines that there's not much left other than a little bit of sugar and cardboard, and that's not the case here at all. There's a lot of sort of sherry and port notes coming through, um, yeah, a lot of sweet notes, like almost some maple syrup, um, some tobacco, um, you know, dark fruits, like sort of like dried dark fruits, um, plums, raisins. 
a sort of burnt sugar coming through. Let me taste this thing. Oh, wow, that's... It really truly is like, you know, it puts the wine in barley wine. Like, it's mm. in, it's intense. And there's a lot of great flavors there. It's it's a sipper for sure. You know, it's one you, you just about want to have 150 mils of and call it a night, not the, not the 330 mils I've got in my glass. Um, there is a little bit of paper there, uh, you know, when some of that stuff um, leaves your leaves your tongue, leaves your palate, you know, there is some paper there on the, on the finish, unfortunately, but again, it's just, it's just the age. Um, but that complexity is fantastic. I would have, I would have really loved to have tried this maybe two years ago. Um, mm-hmm. but I think that this is, uh, uh, s- still, I would give it some, some pretty, pretty great marks for a, a delicious barley wine. Um, even, even, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're judging it, um, you know, you probably want well, you know, two years ago, I think, but yeah, I, I, I do like that extra oxidation character. I actually think it's, I, I like this barley one, I like you said before, I don't normally, you know, not all of them have a lot of complexity, I think, because the bitterness level here and that astringency that is there is adding enough for me to, to want to go back for more and not mm-hmm. get fatigued by it. Like this, I like the bitterness. Like you know, it is mm. it's pretty bitter actually for especially mm. for a for a it yeah, is. this old. It's great. Um, for but uh, if that wasn't there, this would be sort of really yeah, possible to drink. Yeah. That's good. You yeah, I, I do like it. Um, yeah, well done. Yeah, and, indeed. And, and thanks so much for sharing. Um, you know your beer with us it's brilliant yeah we we got a few we're lucky to have a few this is this is really yeah, I've got really a few stuff. that i was told to put in the cellar too so there's a few special ones up the sleeve too Ooh, that sounds pretty good mm. um well you'll you'll have to let us know when when it's when we're allowed to drink those and uh, if you the listener um would like to send us any of your beer to drink on the show we'd we'd love to uh, crack into those and offer any feedback we can. Maybe you've got a beer that you're really proud of and you want someone to sort of, uh, you know, validate um, your perception. Or maybe you got a beer that's giving you a hard time and you're not sure quite what's wrong with it and you'd like some feedback, uh, then get in touch. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash New Zealand Brewer. Um, or you can go to newzealandbrewer.co.nz and click on the contact tab. Um, get in touch and uh, we can send you uh, the the shipping address, and um, we're happy to drink it on the show and uh, give you some feedback. All right, Gary. So uh, shall we shall we get our get our holiday spirit on? Sip some of this barley wine here and tackle a couple of questions. Yeah, man. Yes, John. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. You feel me? Yeah, always. Yeah, man. Um, you, Listen, listen. The uh, the stuffed up nose, J- J- John's stuffed mm. up nose is coming in from all those hops. No, it's from hops. Yeah, but there's a lot of hops in there. There's a it's, it's, yeah, but they're fucking sick four year old hops. Yeah, but it's happening. It's happening. It's unreal. It is unreal. Um, your uh, nose is <laughs> is quite hop sensitive. But you is. didn't get it from that hazy IPA. That I you know. No, nope. uh, we've been we've been drinking. This is maybe it's the IBUs. Thank you. Maybe. This is good. It's unreal. 
It is, it is. All right, so let's see. We've got some questions that folks have sent in. Let's see what uh, we're going to just take a couple of questions, um, uh, and and then we're gonna we're gonna call it a night. Um, but let's see what we've got. Uh, we've got one from Isaac. Uh, he says sour beer tips and tricks. Question mark. Just made my first one and enjoyed the process a lot. And after some. Uh, and after some ideas for where to take it next, or he's after some ideas for where to take it next, what is your process and tips for those new to brewing sours, but not to brewing in general? Um, so he's, you know, he's he's got some experience as a brewer, but he's new to sours. He's curious, Gary, what's your process? And, uh, you know, do you have any tips for him? Sorry, mate, I got started before this episode and I just signed out. So um, you can have to answer that, John. <laughs> All right, so I'll I'll repeat the question so Gary can hear the question. <laughs> then I'll answer it. No, don't do that. Don't do it. that. Tell me where to find it. Uh, 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 well, tell you this where to find it. That's easier than having me repeat the question. Well, he, this, he, this is question. no. This, yeah, it's a, a Facebook question. question. He's he's a brewer who's got some experience, yeah, and he and he wants to make some uh, some sour beers, and just wants to know how we make sour beers, and if we have any tips. Right. So I, I'll go ahead and I'll yeah. answer that. Well, and I haven't you, made, you've made more sour beers than I have. No, that's not true. At this stage, you you've made sour uh, more sour beers than oh, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've made he's a Berliners and um, yeah. So, oh, yeah. uh, oh, well, right, you, uh, well, you told me to go, so I'm, I'm, I'm going now, Gary. No, you go. Yeah, go, John. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I will give you my thoughts as a home brewer and as someone who has brewed a few, but not a lot. Um, and and it'll, I know it'll be a different answer than Gary's, so then you can get Gary's professional perspective. Um, I, I think that it's worth, uh, you know, doing. Quick sours with Brett. I really like that approach, especially for the home brewers. You don't have to wait three years to find out if what you've made is any good. Um, they can be really pleasant and pretty darn complex. Um, and I've talked about it on some other episodes of the show, but uh, long story short, what I do is basically a kettle sour with Brett. Um, you know, well, with Sack and with Brett. So I'll go and I'll, I'll brew. Uh, brew up my wort. Uh, then I will add um, lacto, and I've just been using the what is it? The Mad Mill fermented vegetable. Um, Mad Millie. Mad Millie. Sorry, yeah. Uh, fermented vegetable little sat- sachets that you can buy. I think it's I don't know. There's five in a pack. I can't remember what they cost. They're really cheap. Um, and I'll add uh, add a couple of those, and you know, just wait till the the pH is wherever I want it to be, which is, you know, usually reasonably low. Um, it takes a, I can't, I can't even remember exactly. I'd have to check my notes. It's a couple of days. It's not the quick six hours or 12 hours. It's a little longer than that. Um, more like, more like two or three days. Um, but I've only ever done it at kind of, you know, semi room temperature. I mean, I'll put it in my, uh, my fermentation chamber, but I'm not like, you know, heating it way up or doing anything fancy there. Just what my heating pads can kind of handle. Um, <clears throat> And then I will boil it again to, you know, kill the lacto and then I will treat it uh, and I keep, you know, the hops very little to none uh, kind of hopping levels. Um, 
at, at least at that stage. And then I will add some hops on the reboil, you know, when I, and I treat it like a, but not a lot. I keep the hops under probably 10 IBUs usually. Um, but I treat it like a normal sort of beer from there. So I ferment it out with, um, I usually sort of co-pitch with Brett and, uh, sack. I've done all kinds of different sacks from Saison to USO five to British, uh, ale. Um, and I like, I really like amalgamation that, that sort of Brett blend with six different Bretts in it. That's worked pretty well for me. Uh, and then sometimes I add fruit, quite often I add fruit and I add some oak chips usually for additional complexity. Um, and the result is a sour beer that you can turn around in a couple of months. You know, you're really just waiting on the Brett to sort of finish out so you don't get bottle bombs. Um, uh, and, but because of the fruit, because of the oak, because of the bread, uh, and of course the, the lacto, you're getting a sour beer that's got quite a lot of complexity and I think would fool a lot of people into believing it was an aged sour. The biggest difference between it and an aged sour is that, uh, it's brighter, you know, because it's fresher and you don't have any of that very subtle, you know, kind of butyric kind of thing that I think you kind of get, um, from, from PDO. Um, and I just think they're lovely beers, really nice. And I, I don't know, I, I don't know, if, I don't know if and when I'll ever do a long age sour because I'm just so happy with, with that process. Um, but I do enjoy drinking aged sours and there's something more romantic about it. But I, I think it's a really safe, easy way for people to start making some pretty world-class sours. And I've been, I've entered them in homebrew competitions and, and gotten really high uh, points on them. I think, I think I got uh, 44 on one, 43 on another. I never, I never did get a gold on them, but I was a point shy and two points shy. Um, and I uh, just, I think that's a great way to do a lot, experiment a lot, learn a lot really quickly while dealing with these mixed ferments and most of the components of, a, of an aged sour without um, much of the risk. And frankly, I kind of like the bright quality that you get in them um, that you don't get in an aged sour. So that's, that's, that's my process. Um, my only real process because those are the only sours I've ever brewed um, and you know something to think about anyway how about you Gary mm, well it's all very good and I've had those beers and they're excellent um, and like you say John you know you, you could easily mistake them for a barrel aged sour um, uh, I think it's a good process I've only ever done it that way myself as well um, even though I would like to and will what do you mean you've, bar- you've done proper aged sours your, no. your Chardonnay, um, uh, well, okay. It's tart. It's I guess you're one. right. Um, what was the other one you brewed at the same time though? There was another one that was more sour, wasn't there? Oh yeah. I've only ever done kettle sours or, you know, fast souring at least. Um, oh, I thought you did do some proper barrel, I'd like to barrel have aged, aged sours. Yeah, I've done, I've done a barrel aged one, but it was, it was still fast soured. Oh, okay. Um, and I use, but yeah, I mean, I, I certainly want to get to the point where we're brewing, you know, proper barrel aged sours that are, you know, um, you know, inoculated with a whole bunch of different stuff. But right now, yeah, we haven't done that, which I hang my head in shame, John. But anyway, um, so we use the only real difference with you is at, right at the moment is um, that I use IBS pills. Uh, irritable bowel syndrome pills, John. Oh, the plantarum stuff. 
I've tried that and it did. I got nothing. It just, it just, uh, it just didn't sour anything. I had the oh, first. Right. Yeah. I'm no, sure. It's, it's, it sells super fast. Once you, I mean, we grew it up, and it, yeah, it just smashes it down uh, and gets quite tart. Right. So if you want a lot of brightness, then yeah, that's that's that is a good one. I think the very first time I tried this, I what did I do first? I added. What was the source? It might have been the pills first. I bought some pills on Trade Me. You know, it was the right, it was the right plantarum stuff, and just nothing happened. And then I tried adding something else. I can't even remember now, and nothing happened. Like the pH was just not going down, and I was starting to get worried because now it's like day number five. I've added all kinds of weird shit, and nothing's happening to the pH. And then I just chucked in some of that. Mad Millie vegetable starter because you know I ferment vegetables sometimes or you know me and my wife do and and uh, what do you know it dropped way down pretty quick and at room temperature um, and we got a I got a great great product um, so I don't know yeah I just keep doing it because it's cheap but I'm sure they're you know I think any any lacto work work great but I don't know if this made any difference at all but it was four different strains of lacto. And that always, I always wondered if there was, mm. you know, something to that. Did I get some additional quality um, that maybe you wouldn't get if you just got a, a standard souring, you know, lacto from from a brew shop? I don't know. Mm. Yeah, who knows? Try. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, any final words there for Isaac? Any any um, advice? Uh, not really. I'm yeah. I'm not. Yeah, I don't really have a lot on the top of my head when it comes to sales at the moment. I haven't brewed one for a long time. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it's not something I have, you know, mastered or because I've, I've never really given it a, a proper crack. All right. Well, um, hopefully that helps you at least a little bit, Isaac. Next one comes from Jono, and Jono says, Yeast harvest, harvesting and reuse, washing or not. Any tips, tricks to understand cell count? How much to use? Overpitching? Generations? You've probably covered these questions in chat uh, in the chat with Froth. Nonetheless, uh, a good subject. Cheerio. So a lot of questions there, um, but, you know, well... I don't know, Gary. I don't know how to. I don't know how to summarize all those because there really are different questions. There's you, quite a lot of different questions. Let's go rapid. Let's take, Let, let's take it and try and go really fast. Um, without, you go first. So I know. Well, I can I understand the question. Well, my answers won't be that interesting because you know, I, I, I these days, I these days, I pretty much just use dry yeast. It's I haven't used a liquid yeast in a while, and I will kind of. Well, other than Brett, and I kind of want to, um, you know, I like the idea of liquid yeast. I'm just I have so little time these days with work and projects and kids and babies and everything else. I've just if I'm lucky enough to brew, I'm I'm minimizing steps and saving as much time as possible. And for me, that when, is when, my, sorry. When was the last time you brewed? Oh, it's just there. Uh, so you know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, just, yeah, just um, the third day and yep. <clears throat> yeah, so you know, nothing. Not New Zealand, the man about town. Um, and uh, yeast, yeast harvesting, and so I'm going to go rapid fire. Yeast harvesting and reuse uh, have done it. Don't bother with it. 
at all anymore. Um, washing or not, have done it. Don't bother with it. Have done all these things. I've done it, and it's mostly worked. And I've had some bad batches as a result. And for five bucks or six bucks or whatever, what does a package of yeast cost? And I don't look at prices enough. Um, uh, but uh, <laughs> for a couple hundred bucks, you know, I mean, you can't get that time back. So I, I, I just rather, <laughs> I just rather spend a couple hundred bucks on a pack, <laughs> pack of a dry, dry yeast. <laughs> For five liters of beer, for 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 twenty liters of beer, any any tips and tricks to understand cell count? Um, uh, You've already answered. You don't need to answer anymore. You've already fucking. You've already. You've already already backed out of this. Gary, you're so mean. You're so mean. You're just trying to humiliate me. Jeez. Over pitching, I'd rather over pitch than under pitch. I'm a I'm a big over pitcher. Generations, nope. You probably covered these questions, probably, Gary. So let's try the same with you. So yeast harvesting and reuse. Do you do that? Okay. So homebrew perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Um, washing or not? Um, yeah, definitely wash, especially if you're using hoppy. Um, hop, yeah, if you're dry hopping or whatever you've got, or it's just a hoppy beer, I'd say wash. Um, just to clean up what you've got, you can try without. Who knows? Like I, I, I always wash when I was a home brewer. Um, don't anymore. But you have any tricks and tricks and tricks and any tips and tricks? Was that sorry? Nothing. Are you still talking? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Any tips, tricks to understand cell count? Just density, you know. Like um, there is a there is a maximum density for yeast and and liquid. So. Find out what that is. I don't have it on the top of my head, and then and then that's sort of a, a good um, gauge because you can just it's turbidity shows me how based on the volume how, how what my cell count is, but that just comes with practice. Um, so you'll need to do a bit of research to under, to start to understand that. Um, you know, you can get into cell counting and stuff like that if you're if you're a real geek. Sounds like you are a bit of a, a beer geek, so yeah, I mean, why not? Like why not go that far and start doing cell counts and stuff like that because it's super fun and it gives you a better understanding of what's going on. Uh, how much to use? Again, I think you've just sort of answered that in the previous one. Um, I would say just go with your calculators, but base it on yeah, understanding your cell count. You you, you will learn, you will know how much to use over pitching. Uh, I just don't worry about over pitching. Try and figure out like try and get a better understanding of your cell count. And that will come with repeated practice as well. You will know what you know relative whether it's the exact same cell count. It doesn't really matter as if that is doing the right job for you. So you'll know that with um, how much time it takes or how aggressive the ferment is. You're really looking for a nice gradual start, hitting a peak, just a nice curve rather than just this aggressive straight up and down sort of a curve. Um, and once you get that, and once you start hitting that and get consistent with that, then just stick with it. Generations, um, I would taste the yeast, um, get used to understanding what the yeast should taste like, uh, smell it. All you know, sensory is if you don't have the tools. Um, apart from that, you use sensory because that tells you everything. If you don't want, if you don't like the taste of it or the smell of it, then don't put it in your beer. Um, and yeah, I think you know that covers it, doesn't it? Shit. Hmm? Oh no! I died. I was playing. I was playing this game on my phone. Oh uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Did you did you finish? Um, you, were you, are you done talking? No, no, I'm still going. I'm okay. Still going. Okay. Cool. Much, I'll just do one, Sean one doesn't more. really know what he's talking about anymore with beer because he hasn't fucking brewed a beer in about 
Uh, was it two, three? That's not even remotely <laughs> true. That's not even remotely true. I have a, I have a, John I have is a, 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 I have a, a fermented a beer bro, sitting on my, my, my counter specific. ten feet away from me, and I'm surrounded by carboys with with not all beer John's in them. Planted one. You know what John's done in the last little while? He's planted a vineyard. Mm-hmm. Has he mm-hmm. brewed a beer? Yeah. Did he brew, did he like yeah. plant barley? He's a fucking wine guy. I have hops growing guy. in my garden right now. You're a wine guy. No, I, I'm. I'm not. Well, so what? So put them in a beer jar. Hmm. So put them in a fucking beer. I am. I, don't, I have. I have boxes of grain around me. You're. You're oh, crazy. Man. You're. And that's just. That's just rude. I. I resemble that <laughs> remark. You resemble that remark. Did I? He's exactly what. You, you resemble it. All right, Gary. It. Gary, we're that's it. I'm out of here. I'm leaving. It's over. You've ruined my Christmas. You've ruined my holiday. That's exactly Hope you're happy. Bah humbug, Gary. <laughs> bah fucking humbug. All right, mm. Gary. I'm gonna. Uh, that's it. We're we're done. We're divorced. It's, it it's over. Enough. It's over. Um, thank you, listeners. It was always going to happen on Christmas, wasn't it? Yeah, divorce. Thank you, listeners. Um, you know, for 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 tolerating uh, us o- over the years. Thank you, um, thank you, Richie, for taking sign-out? for what's that? Are you doing? Are you doing like the year sign out? Yeah, Is that what yeah right I now? guess. Oh. I guess. Do you reflect? Are you reflecting? I'm divorcing you. Uh, and you know, oh, but uh, we might get back together. So like, shh, you know. Like, <laughs> It's like it's a cliffhanger. It's a season cliffhanger. Um, mm. <clears throat> no, but um, I do I do want to thank Richie for being on the show. Um, it was a long time coming. We've been trying to organize that forever. So it was great to have you, and very nice of him to share a recipe with our listeners. Thank you to all of our sponsors. Uh, we really appreciate it, and and thank you, Gary, um, for for taking time out of your <laughs> your evening uh, to be the son of a bitch that you are. I really appreciate mm-hmm. it. Mm. No, I'm always glad to be here and uh, poke a stick at you, John. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, thanks, thanks, Richie. Thanks, listeners, for tuning in once again. All right, Merry Christmas! Thank you very much. Cheers. Holiday. Exactly Hope you're happy. Bah, humbug, Gary. Bah, fucking humbug. <laughs>